All right. So we've been we've been doing a series on spiritual gifts, and today we're going to continue that series and actually finish that series. And uh, I have a handout for you today, so you can uh, take the notes away with you and check them out after the service. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started today. I'm going to share on the spiritual gifts out of First Corinthians chapter twelve. Spiritual gifts are the special abilities that you need to get the job done that God designed you to do. I'll say that again. Spiritual gifts are the special abilities that you need to get the job done that God made you to do. How many of you have ever taken a personality test? Have you ever done one? So <clears throat> when you take a personality test, usually the person who takes it kind of has one of three responses. The first response might be like, yep, that's definitely me. Like, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly who I am. The second response might be like, it's pretty much me, but there might need to be some things that need to be tweaked a little bit. Like, it's not exactly me. And then the third response would be like, nope, that's not me at all. I don't know how I found a way to fail a personality test, but I did. So if you fall into either the second or the third category, usually what people will do is they'll start reading through the personality profiles to try and find the personality type that best fits them, best describes who they are. And sometimes when people find the personality type that actually fits who they are, they'll actually have like an emotional response and they'll be like, I've heard people, I've seen people cry when they find the personality type that they feel like fits them. They'll be like, wow, like I thought like my whole life I've been trying to be someone else, but now I see that this is who I am and that's how God made me and it's okay. And so what I want you guys to do today is I'm going to go through the list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want you to hear them like the person reading the personality profile, trying to figure out which one fits you best, trying to figure out which one is the gift that God placed inside of you when you surrendered your life to him. I'm going to pray first. Lord, I ask you to be with us this morning. I ask you to make it clear which gifts you've put inside of us. And Lord, I ask that as each person leaves here today, there would be one or two gifts that you showed them, that you placed in them when they surrendered their lives to you, that they could begin to cultivate. I ask you to be with us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. The first gift that's listed is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is the unique ability to speak the wisdom of God, especially in important situations. So some people get this gift a little bit confused when they're looking at the word of wisdom versus intelligence. So they sometimes think that intelligence is the word of wisdom. Intelligence is the ability to compile information, and wisdom is the ability to know what to do with that information. So like intelligence is to know the answer to the question, and wisdom is to know whether or not you should answer the question. Kind of a good uh, example that I thought of of this is one time I was talking to Mark Stoneham. He's a diesel mechanic for Milton Cat in Batavia. And he had been working lots of overtime, and they were, like, totally slammed, and there was no end to this overtime in sight. And so I said, are you guys going to hire some more people to help so you don't have to work so much overtime? He said, well, we hired a new guy last week, and I'm training him, and we're supposed to hire another new guy next week. He said, but the problem is a lot of times we hire uh, new mechanics that come right out of diesel mechanic school. So they come out of school, and they have all this information. They have all the necessary information to be able to fix the thing that they're working on, but they don't actually know how to apply that information 
to the problem at hand to get the job done. That's the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Wisdom knows how to get the job done. The next spiritual gift that's listed is the word of knowledge. This is the unique ability to declare knowledge which could only be revealed supernaturally. There's a story in the Bible that has two really good examples of a word of knowledge. This uh, story starts in Acts chapter 10, verse 19, and Peter has a vision, and he doesn't really know what to make of the vision. He's kind of confused, so he sits down to try and figure out what that vision means, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to him, and he's on the second floor of a house. The Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, there's three men downstairs that are looking for you. It's okay to go with them. I've sent them to get you, and you're going to go to this other city and deliver a message. So Peter goes downstairs, and sure enough, there's three men there, and they're like, are you Peter? And he's like, yeah. And they said, okay, you've got to come with us. We've got to go to this other city, to our friend's house. His name is Cornelius, and you're going to go there, and you're going to deliver a message. So Peter's like, all right. So Peter goes with the three guys to this other city, to this other house, and he gets before Cornelius, and Cornelius like, is shocked, and he falls down on the ground like he's ready to worship Peter. Peter's like, no, stand up like I'm just a man like you are. Don't worship me. And then Cornelius tells Peter that he had received a word of knowledge from God saying that if he would send these three men to this other city and then they would go to this specific house, there where they would find Peter and Peter would come back with them and deliver a message to them. So then they go to this other room in the house and there's a bunch of people in there and Peter begins to preach a message to these people and they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in that story, there's two words of knowledge. The first one is Cornelius has a word of knowledge where the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, if you'll send these three men to this other city, to this specific house, there you'll find Peter and he'll come back and bring a message. And then Peter had a word of knowledge where the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, there's these three men downstairs and you need to go with them and go to this city and deliver this message. There's no way that Cornelius or Peter could have possibly known this information apart from the Holy Spirit revealing it to them in a word of knowledge. The next spiritual gift that's listed is the gift of faith. This is the unique ability to trust God against all circumstances or odds. A story that I thought illustrated this well is is the life of George Mueller. I don't know how many of you have heard, heard of George Mueller, but he was in England in the 19th century, and England was in the worst economic downturn that it had ever experienced. People lost their jobs, people lost their homes, people had no money, People couldn't feed their family, and it got so bad that parents were taking their kids out on the street and releasing them and abandoning them to try and go fend for themselves because their chances of being able to steal enough food to live was better if they were on the streets than if they stayed in their homes. It was really bad, and God speaks to George Mueller, and he says, I want you to begin to take in thousands of these orphans. So George Mueller is also in the midst of this horrible economic downturn. He doesn't have money to do this, but he obeys God. He hears the word from God. He believes what God says, and he obeys. So he starts to bring in these orphans. By the time the economy turned around, George Mueller had literally brought in thousands upon thousands of orphans and provided everything that all of these orphans needed. And when asked how he did it, somebody asked him specifically, how did he raise enough money to provide for these orphans. And George said, I didn't raise any money. I didn't ask anyone for money. I simply believed what God told me and activated the gift of faith in my life and believed that what God promised he would do. That's the gift of faith. 
believing God against all circumstances and odds. The next spiritual gift that's listed is the gift of healing. This is God's healing power, either given or received. How many of you have ever received a healing from God? That's a gift of healing. That gift can either come straight from the Holy Spirit to you, or it can come to you from another, through another person or through you to another person. Up next is the working of miracles. The phrase that's used here literally means acts of power or when the Holy Spirit chooses to override the laws of nature in working in or through an available person. A great example of this in the Bible is Jesus' first recorded miracle. Jesus went to this wedding. He was at the wedding, and in those days, kind of like today, uh, they usually throw a huge feast after the wedding. And if a family is not able to throw the appropriate feast, it's really, really shameful for the family because it looks like the family didn't plan ahead and the family couldn't afford it and they couldn't provide for their kids. So they're at this feast and they run out of wine. And a party is not good when the wine runs out, right? So Jesus sees that and he's like, this family is about to be covered up in shame. And Jesus hates when people are covered in shame. Jesus came to earth to remove shame from people's lives. So he sees that and he tells the servants to get together these six pots and fill them with water. So the servants get together the pots and fill them with water, and Jesus turns that water to wine. So the normal process that you need to go through to get wine is you start with grapes, and then you crush the grapes, and you make grape juice, and then you take the grape juice, and you let it ferment for a while. Jesus didn't have grapes. He didn't have grape juice. He didn't have time for the fermentation process. So he stepped outside of what was naturally possible and did a miracle. Another example of this is when Peter is sitting in the boat and he sees Jesus walking on the water and Jesus says, come out of the boat and come to me, Peter. And Peter steps out of the boat and does what's impossible because it's not February and he walks on the water. Some of you walk on water all the time in February, but it's a little different in July. So Peter, there he is in July walking on the water, doing a miracle. The next spiritual gift that's listed is prophecy. This is the telling of God's message in a particular situation. So the, the Apostle Paul actually has a lot to say about prophecy, but there's two specific things that stood out to me. One is he says in one portion of Scripture to be eager to prophesy, and then in another portion of Scripture he says he wishes that everyone would prophesy. So to me that says that this is a gift that God gives us, that it's something that we can pursue and it's a gift that a lot of us can use in our life. How many of you have ever been in a place where you were discouraged? Probably everybody, right? So my definition of discouragement is not having the necessary courage to face life with hope. So we've all been in that place before where we've felt hopeless on one level or another. And then God in his kindness, he gifts different members of the body of Christ, different ones of us, with the gift of prophecy. So that when we're in that place of discouragement, people can come alongside of us and speak God's word to us to encourage us when we're in that place. I gave Liz D'Antonio a prophetic word one time uh, about the gift of prophecy that I believe is inside of her. And I told her that um, I saw her, uh, lots of people coming and knocking on her door one at a time. And she would invite them into her home and she would sit them down at their dining room table. 
and she had a bunch of glasses on the table, and she had a pitcher that looked like it was full of lemonade or something. And so she would take a glass, and she would put it in front of the person, and she would fill up their cup with this drink, and they would drink it, and then they looked more thirsty, so she would fill it up again, and they would chug it, and then she would fill it up again, and this went on over and over again until the person was completely satisfied. And then the person would get up and leave her house, and they looked like they were like ready to take on the world. They walk into her house completely deflated, and they leave looking like they're ready to conquer the world. And then Liz would go back to what she was doing, and another person would come and knock on her door. And this happened over and over and over again. And finally, the last person comes, knocks on the door. Liz lets the person in, sets a glass down in front of them, fills it with the pitcher. The person drinks it. The person is thirsty for more. She keeps pouring more and more and more cups. And then finally, the last drink is taken, and then the person goes to leave, and Liz takes the pitcher, and she sets it down on the table, and she set it down at a different angle this time, and I could see the back of the pitcher, and on the back of the pitcher, it said courage. And I told Liz that I believed that there was a gift of prophecy inside of her, and God was going to bring people to her who were in a place where they were discouraged. They had lost the necessary hope to go on in life and face the challenges that they were facing. And God was going to use her to fill these people up with courage through the gift of prophecy that was in her so that they could go on and face the day. And that's a lot of what prophecy is, is encouraging people around us with God's words. The next gift that's listed is discerning of spirits. This is the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine and between what is and is not the Holy Spirit. So with each of these gifts... Um, there's a, like a lot that I could have s- could say about each of these gifts, but because of time constraints, I had to like really pare it down and try and figure out exactly what I felt like God wanted me to say to explain this gift. But I actually felt like God wanted me to say something different in reference to discerning of spirits. What I felt like the Lord was speaking to me is some people, some of you who are here this morning, actually believe that you do have this gift of discernment. You do believe that you have the ag- ability to discern spirits. Maybe you walk into a situation and you're like, something just does not feel right here. Maybe you're in in a situation and you're like, I just feel really creeped out by this person. Like something is not right. There's like a, a spirit, some spirit on this person that's not right. And what I felt like the Lord said was some people thinking they're operating under discernment are actually not operating with discernment at all. There's no discernment happening at all, even though you think you are. What it actually is, is that you've found a place in your life where you've harbored a spirit of fear. So because you have a spirit of fear, you walk into the situation believing you're discerning something, but there's actually nothing specific there to discern at all. You're just operating out of a spirit of fear and believing it's discernment. So how do you know whether or not you're operating out of a spirit of fear or whether you're operating out of discernment? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, So first of all, I would say, are you someone who struggles with fear in your life? Are you given to worrying often? Do you often think about the worst case scenario, like everything that could possibly go wrong? Are you afraid a lot? If that's you, then it's quite possible that you're not actually moving in the gift of discernment. You have a place in your life where fear has taken root in your life, and there's a stronghold of fear that you're dealing with. Um, Another thing is the Bible says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a peaceful mind. So in in those situations where you believe you're discerning, do you feel power, love, and a peaceful mind, or do you feel afraid? 
So someone who has the gift of discernment, when they discern something, the same God that was able to show them what they were discerning is the same God that's present to deal with the evil spirit that's present. So there's no spirit of fear that's necessary. The person who has discernment discerns something, and then they have full confidence that God is able to deal with this person and set them free and, br and deliver them so they face the situation with hope rather than fear. Does that make sense? The next spiritual gift that's listed is different kinds of tongues. This is a personal language of prayer given by God whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. So this spiritual gift might be the most confusing spiritual gift of all. Um, people say things like, I don't understand it, or it doesn't make sense to me, or I don't really know what to make of it. So because of that, I'm going to like disqualify this gift. I'm not going to receive this gift. Maybe they're not going to receive it personally, or maybe they're going to like disqualify it as a gift altogether and say, like, I don't even believe it's real, or something like that. So first of all, let me say, I understand why you might feel that way. I understand why speaking in tongues might seem strange. And I think the reason that it can seem strange to people is, first of all, we don't usually use words that we don't understand. We don't, use, we don't say words that we don't know because we don't know them, so how could we say them? There's lots of words in the dictionary, but I don't use all of them because I don't know them. And I don't say things that I don't understand. So when someone is speaking in tongues... They're speaking in a language that they don't understand with their mind, but their spirit is communicating with God. So there's some element of that that's going to feel a little bit strange because you're saying things that you don't know what you're saying. But I want to encourage you to be careful about disqualifying this gift because you're uncomfortable with it. The problem I have with taking this position of disqualifying this gift is do I really want to make my understanding or my comprehension the defining factor on whether or not I'm going to receive a gift that Jesus says I need to accomplish all that he made me to do? Do I really want to make my understanding, my limited mind, the factor on whether or not I'm going to receive a gift that Jesus says that I need for my life? If I'm honest, the truth is, there's a lot of things about the Bible that I don't understand. There's a lot of things about God that I don't understand. I try my best to study the Bible and grow in my knowledge about the Bible and study God and get to know him more and to learn everything I can about him. But there's still things that I just don't understand. I don't understand how, in the beginning of the book, God just was. Everything that I know, everything that I have experienced with here on earth, has a start date, has an inception time, a time when it was created. But God wasn't like that. God just was. That's hard for me to wrap my mind around. And then mankind is separated from God, and God makes a way for us to be in relationship with him through sending Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin. I don't really understand how Jesus was born of, of a virgin. I don't know how that works. Everyone who I know who was born was definitely not born of a virgin. Like, that's kind of how it works. Like, nobody I know was born of a virgin. But the Bible says that Jesus was. I don't totally know how to wrap my mind around that. But the more time that goes on, the more okay I am with not being able to understand everything about God. The more okay I am with not having to figure everything out and necessarily know everything. 
the reason for that is I don't think I want to give my life to a God whose mind is as small as mine. I don't want to give my life to a God who thinks like I think. The Bible says his thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. I don't want to surrender my life to a God who has my thoughts, because sometimes I have some absolutely ridiculous thoughts that I'm glad no one else knows. Sometimes I do some stuff that is so stupid, like sometimes my ways are just ridiculous, and yours are too. So do we really want a God who thinks like we do and acts like we do? I don't. I'm okay with having a God who is on a completely different level than me. I'm okay with having a God who is so far outside of my comprehension that I couldn't possibly understand all of who he is. And if we're only willing to validate and accept what we can understand and wrap our mind around, then what we're going to be left with in the end is pretty small. And what we're called to do is have faith. And what faith does is faith believes the words that God's spoken. Faith believes the word of God. Faith doesn't simply believe what we can comprehend and understand with our mind. So we need to be very careful about rejecting a gift that God says we need because we don't understand it. Along with the gift of tongues comes the interpretation of tongues. And this, this gift allows the gift of tongues to be of benefit to those other than the speaker. So this portion of scripture can be a little confusing. And when Paul talks about the interpretation of tongues, sometimes people get a little bit confused about it. And I think in order to understand it, we have to understand the context of this whole letter that Paul wrote. So Paul started this church in a city called Corinth. And then he leaves and he goes and does a bunch of other stuff. He hears back about what's going on in this church that he started in Corinth. And he's like, some of the stuff that was going on was a little crazy. Some of it was not so good. So he's like, I got to write a letter to these people so that this, this church can become all that God intended it to be to get these people out of some really bad habits that they've gotten in and to get them into some good habits and get them moving in the direction that they should be going. So that's like the purpose of this letter that he writes to the church in Corinth. And there's some specific problems that this church was having. And some of the problems that they were having was in relationship to the gifts. So when it comes to the gifts, they had kind of started to make the gifts about themselves. They had started to look at the gifts like, this is my time to shine. Like, look at me and this amazing gift that I have. And so Paul's like, hold on. Like, the gift is not about you. This is not what it's supposed to be about. The gift is supposed to be about encouraging the body of Christ and helping accomplish all that God was trying to do in the earth. So that's why in, in Corinthians, we have this chapter that we call the love chapter. Because Paul is saying the gifts are supposed to flow from a place of love. He's saying love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not self-seeking. A lot of that stuff that he was saying was not just in relationship to like a husband and wife relationship. It was in relationship to the gifts because they had started using this, the gifts in a selfish way and in a proud way. And another very practical problem that was happening in, in this church in Corinth was there was a serious interrupting problem. And how many of you have ever been like in a church or in a class where someone kept interrupting with questions, right? And so that person's questions, the person who's interrupting and asking these questions, maybe that person's question is getting answered, but where the, the teacher or the person who's preaching is trying to take the whole group 
it gets hindered and the whole group isn't able to get where they're trying to go because people keep interrupting. Well, in the church in Corinth, that's what was happening. So one person would start to give a prophecy and share their gift. And while that person was prophesying, another person would interrupt and start to share their gift of tongues. And then another person would interrupt and they would try and come over the top. And Paul's like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like back up for a second. If we're going to share our gifts, we need to do it in an orderly way. So it should be like one, two, maybe three people max, and it should be one at a time. Stop interrupting each other and stop yelling over the top of each other. Give your gifts one at a time. And if someone's going to share a gift of tongues in a corporate way, then there should be an interpretation so that everyone can understand what God is trying to say to us. Because if someone is speaking in tongues in a way that takes everyone's attention, we don't know what God just tried to say. So we need to have an interpretation so we can understand what the Lord is trying to say to us so we can benefit from that. Some kind of strange doctrines that end up coming out of these portions of Scripture that aren't really accurate is some people believe that um, speaking in tongues should only happen in private, and some people believe that any time there's a, a gift of tongues expressed at all, there should be an interpretation. I don't think that's accurate because I don't think the people who believe that, they don't understand the full context of what was happening in this church. So I don't believe that if, let me give you an example, if you're in a church service and we're worshiping like we were this morning, and you happen to hear your, like overhear your neighbor speaking in tongues, speaking to the Lord in tongues. I don't really think that needs an interpretation because the person wasn't really speaking in tongues in a way that required an interpretation. They were just having a communication between them and God and you happened to, to hear it and you weren't heard at all in it and there was really no need for an interpretation. But if someone were to, let's say we're in the middle of a worship service and someone were to start to give um, a word in tongues very loudly in a way that interrupted and demanded attention. And I don't mean interrupted in a bad way. I just mean it stopped the flow of where we were going and there was something that God was trying to speak to us. Then in that case, there should be an interpretation because otherwise everyone turns and looks at this person who gives a word and we have no idea what God was trying to say to us. So we can't respond. But if there's an interpretation, then we can know what the Lord was trying to say to us and we can respond. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to look at how do I figure out which gifts God has given me? How do we figure out the gifts that God has given us? The first way that we do that is we examine. We examine our life and we examine the list of gifts. On the back of the handout that you got is a chart that Pastor Chris um, put on the first handout that he gave you two weeks ago with a list of all of the gifts. So we examine our life, and we examine the gifts, and we ask the Lord what gifts he's put inside of us. Some of the gifts might coincide with your personality. So let's say you're a very outgoing person who likes to encourage someone. Maybe God will give you the gift of prophecy that would kind of work well with your personality and help you in encouraging the body of Christ. But it's also possible that the gift that God gives you could be completely contrary to your personality. But the thing that we need to remember is how many of you, if you look back a long time in your life, could look at where you are now and you could have possibly known everything that you were going to end up walking through in your life? Nobody, right? Like we have no idea. When, um, when April and I do premarital counseling, 
we usually tell couples like you have no idea what life is going to look like but like you have no idea so some things you need to like determine and set up now like i'm going to love this person no matter what because you have no clue what life is going to hold and life has all kinds of shocking surprises for us and the thing that's crazy is those things that are shocking and surprising to us are old news to god he's not surprised one bit when those things happen he knows exactly what's going to happen in our life so God can look ahead in our life, see what we're going to go through, and he can see what gifts he needs to plant in us so that we'll have everything we need so that we can be victorious with every battle and challenge that we face in our life in the future. Amen? So we examine our life, and we examine the gifts, and we ask the Lord what gifts he's planted inside of us. The next thing that we do is we evaluate. We evaluate. So you believe that God has given you one or two or maybe three gifts and you start to use these gifts and at some point in time after a season of time of of practicing and trying to use these gifts you have to evaluate and say like okay do i really have this gift because it's possible you could have thought you had a gift and you actually don't have it now that might sound kind of discouraging for you to for six months try and exercise this gift of healing and then to find out oh man i don't have this gift of healing at all but I would encourage you to look at it differently than that. Um, I read a book this week by uh, Peter Wagner on the spiritual gifts in preparation for this message, and he tells his personal testimony um, in, in this book about how when he got saved, he saw all the people around him serving God, and the way that they were serving God was they were becoming missionaries and evangelists. So he gets saved, he wants to give his life to God, and he says, I guess this is the way I give my life to God. I become a missionary and I become an evangelist. So he raises money, becomes a missionary, heads overseas, and he starts doing these crusades. The evangelists that he knew of and he saw were doing crusades. So he's like, I guess this is how I serve God. So he's a missionary, he's doing these crusades, and his first crusade is a complete flop. He sees other people doing crusades and thousands of people come. He does a crusade and three people come, and it was his mom and his sister and her friend. And they were all saved, so nobody got saved either. So he's like, this crusade is horrible. Like, I don't, maybe I'm not supposed to do crusades. So then he decides, you know what, maybe I need to push through. Maybe it doesn't start, like, on that big level. I need to give this thing some time. So he tries some more, and he keeps doing these crusades, and it gets worse. Now his mom and his sister and her friend aren't coming anymore. So this is, like, really, really bad. So he feels like a horrible failure. He's like, I can't even serve God, right? Like, I'm trying to do the one thing that I'm supposed to do, serve God with my life. I can't even do that, right? So he quits being a missionary. He quits being an evangelist, and he goes home. Now, he goes home, and he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, well, I guess I'll go to back to college because I don't know what else to do with my life. So he goes to school, and he ends up going to seminary. So he goes to seminary because he still wants to serve God. While he's in seminary, he gets to a portion of uh, the class where they're learning about the spiritual gifts, and he has this amazing revelation where God shows him that he didn't fail at being a missionary, he didn't fail at being an evangelist, he didn't fail at being a bird, and he didn't fail at being a dog. He was never supposed to be a dog, so he's not a dog. He was never supposed to be a bird, so he didn't fail at being a bird, and he wasn't supposed to be a missionary. He didn't fail at being a missionary. He wasn't supposed to be an evangelist. He didn't fail at being an evangelist. He just found out stuff he wasn't supposed to be. So as he did this and went through this, this uh, time where they were studying the spiritual gifts, what he actually found out 
was that he was meant to be a teacher. God didn't make him to be an evangelist. God made him to be a teacher. So he started teaching. He started putting together these Bible teachings. And then as that began to develop, eventually he found out, not only am I a teacher, but specifically, I'm gifted in the area of writing. So he has written tons and tons of books now that have largely influenced the body of Christ. His teachings have been profound and helpful to tons of people all over the world because he found out what his gift was and he found out what his gift wasn't. So I would encourage you in this place of evaluating, if you find out that you didn't have a gift, it's okay, it's no big deal. You just found out there's a different gift that God has for you. The next stage is experiment. So at some point in time, you're going to have to step out in faith and you're going to have to start to practice this gift and you're going to have to mix action with what you believe God has called you to. And I would love if we could see our church be a church full of people who are experimenting in their gift, trying to figure out how this gift works because the gift is going to work differently in each person's life. It's not going to look the same for everyone. It's not like a cookie cutter thing. God is unique. It has tons of variety. So when God gives you a gift, it's going to have a different expression in your life than it has in somebody else's life. So we need to start to step out and experiment and find how this gift is going to work. And then lastly, we exercise. I want you to think of your spiritual gifts like muscles. If you don't ever work out a muscle, it's never going to grow. So you have a muscle and it's small, what you need to start to do is you need to start to lift weights and do different types of training in order to see that muscle grow. If you don't ever do that, then you'll never see that muscle's full potential realized. Maybe this is shocking news for some of you. But if you exercise, your body might actually look different than it does now. You can actually manipulate your body to look almost any way you want based on the exercises that you do. Your spiritual gifts are kind of like that. If you don't ever begin to exercise them, then they're never going to grow. It's like God gives us this gift that's like an infancy form, and we have to exercise it to make it grow. And how many of you know that if I exercise all the time, but I eat every meal at McDonald's, it's not going to work so good. Like that combination is not going to get me where I want to go. I also have to give my body the proper nutrients to grow. So if, God has given, if you believe God has given you the gift of healing, then I would encourage you to listen to every message you could possibly find from every preacher on the planet about healing. Find every scripture in the Bible you can on healing. Start to memorize those scriptures. Look at how Jesus healed people and what he did. Look at what the disciples did when they healed people. And start to begin to step out and exercise and see that gift grow. When you, um, like there's some people, let's use the gift of prophecy, for example. Maybe you've seen someone with an incredible gift of prophecy prophecy and when they prophesy over someone it's like that thing is so accurate and clear and it's like the word exactly what that person needed to hear right where they were at like it was as if the person knew everything that was going on in their life and you step out to prophesy and you're like it did not look like that at all like all I had was like God loves you we can't diminish what God has given us the Lord says if we're faithful with little he'll make us ruler over much so we have to be faithful with the little that he's given us with our gift in order to see it grow. Maybe the first prophetic word God gave you for someone is that he loves someone. And maybe that sounds very simple and basic to you. But maybe that person was desperate to hear that God loved them. How many of you have been desperate at one time or another in your life to know that God loves you? Like you know it in your head, but you need to know it in your heart. And maybe that prophetic word from you 
will be the word that will set that person free. So don't diminish the gift that God has given you and begin to use it at whatever level it is, okay? So those are kind of things that we can do on an individual basis with the gift, how we figure out on our own what the gift is. So what can we do as a church, like as the whole church body, to cultivate the gifts? Now just two quick things. One, make room for others to experiment and figure out what their gifts are. Make room for others to experiment. So if someone comes up to you and be, try, is looking to express their gift and looking to experiment, don't put that person down if it doesn't go well. Like think of a child who's learning to walk. Like when a child learns to walk, it doesn't go well in the beginning. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's clumsy. Sometimes when we start to step out in a spiritual gift that we've never stepped out in before, it looks like that. Um, I, my aunt is a prophet, and I remember her telling the story from her life about how when she was, like, having kids and in that stage of her life, like, what she wanted to do was she wanted to go to church and quietly sit in the back row. It was like a stretch for her to talk to people. She was super shy. She was not outgoing. And then God started developing this gift of prophecy inside of her, and it was super, super stretching. She said the first time that her husband asked her to get up and teach in front of the church, she just cried for the entire service because she was embarrassed. She didn't want to talk to anyone. She didn't feel like she was capable. But now, if you see her, you see that gift has developed over time, and it's amazing, and it's incredible, and it's encouraging to so many people. But if we don't make room for people when that gift is a baby, then we're going to end up missing out, and we could accidentally squash something that God was doing in someone else's life by the way that we treat them when they're trying to step out and experiment in their gift. And the second thing is, and this is probably the most important, is don't hold people to who they have been, but make room for who they are becoming. Don't hold people to who they've been, but make room for who they're becoming. When I wrote that, immediately I remembered uh, in the scriptures when it says that Jesus went to his hometown, and when he went to his hometown, he couldn't do any miracles. And I remember one time when I read that, and that just like blew me away. Like Jesus is the most powerful person that ever walked on the planet. Everywhere he went, he was doing miracles. He was healing people. He was prophesying. He was getting words of knowledge. But he went to his hometown, and he couldn't do it. Not he wouldn't. He couldn't. He was not able to do any miracles. Do you know why the Bible says he couldn't do any miracles? Unbelief, their lack of faith. So what does that look like in our lives? What does a lack of faith look like? I believe that what happened when Jesus went to his hometown, nobody saw Jesus, the Son of God. They didn't see Jesus, the Son of God. They saw Jesus, Joseph's son. I bet people looked at him and they said, Remember that one time when Jesus was like 12, he was skipping rocks across the lake, and he hit that guy in the back, knocked him out of his boat. That guy almost drowned. Jesus almost killed someone. Can you believe that? Just remember when Joseph was teaching him how to build? He went out, and he tried to build this barn. He tried to build it on the sand. Like, Jesus doesn't even know anything about building a foundation. Like, a storm came by two months later, knocked over Jesus' barn. Like, Jesus just can't do anything. They remembered all the stupid stuff that Jesus did when he was a kid because kids do stupid stuff, right? All of us do stupid stuff. And because of that, they saw him as Joseph's son. 
They saw all of his failures. They remembered him on his worst day, and they ended up missing out on the fact that the Son of God, able to heal all their diseases, set set them free, was standing right in front of them. Makes me wonder what gifts are sitting around this room right now that we miss out on because we see people as who they used to be instead of who God is making them to be. You guys are not the same as you used to be. I know what you used to be, some of you. Some of you were a hot mess, and you're doing a lot better. Some of you still got some room to grow, but you guys are not who you used to be. I mean, has God not done so much in your life? Think for a second about where you were, who you used to be, and where you are now. God has been so good to you. And some of you, there are so many gifts that God has put inside of you. Those, those gifts have developed and grown And the body of Christ, us as a whole, we need those gifts so that we can be who God made us to be. But I wonder what gift God has for you, not for your neighbor, for you to receive, not a gift for you to exercise, but a gift for you to receive from someone else, maybe from the person sitting right next to you. But you miss out on it because you see that person as who they used to be instead of who God is making them to be. Maybe a wife on her worst day gets in a fight with her husband and slaps him in the face. That was not a good day. Not her best day, for sure. She just slapped her husband. This is not good, right? We need to be able to have that same wife, lay hand, her same hand that she slapped her husband with, lay hands on her husband and believe for healing if she has the gift of healing. We can't hold her to the mistake that she made sometime back where she slapped her husband We need to be able to receive the gift of healing through that same person. We need to be be able to receive a gift of prophecy, a, a word of encouragement from the mouth of someone that you heard curse out someone some time ago. We need to make room to see the change that God makes in people or else we will end up missing out on the gift that we need. We need to be able to receive the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge from someone who had a failed business a few years back. Because God has done so much in their life and has changed them so much. And, but what we do as people is we want people to remember us on our best day, but we tend to remember people on, our, on their worst day. We tend to remember people's failures instead of who, the amazing things that, that are inside of them and who God has made them to be. So what I want to encourage you to do today is to not hold people to their failures, to who they used to be, but to make room for who God is making them. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Lord, I ask that we would be a church that practices the gifts. Lord, we don't want to be a body that's handicapped or deformed because there's gifts that are in different ones that aren't being expressed the way that you intended it to be. I ask that the gifts would begin to come out. I ask that as people believe that you've spoken to them and shown them the gifts that are inside of them, as they begin to step out, Lord, I ask that these gifts would flow out of them in ways that they never thought were possible, in ways that they never imagined. Maybe it starts out like a small gift in infancy or seed form, but Lord, I ask that that gift would grow. Lord, I ask that next year, at this time, we would see these gifts developed in people's lives they we wouldn't be the same and lord most of all i ask you to help this church to be a place 
where we don't see people as who they used to be. We don't see people as their failures in their past, but we see people as who you're making them to be. Help us to see people that way so that we can receive the gifts that we need to receive. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed week and practice your gifts.